Welcome to The Wellness Connection with your hosts, Roddy Aglis and Peter McCarthy. Our program provides you with timely and relevant information on the state of your health and the topics surrounding it, such as natural remedies, green living, expert opinions, important facts, and more to contribute to your healthy lifestyle. Now, here are Peter McCarthy and Roddy Aglis. Hello and welcome to The Wellness Connection. I'm your co-host, Roddy Aglis. And I'm your co-host, Peter McCarthy. On today's exciting show, we'll be interviewing Dr. Jane Orient, MD, who will be talking with us about what steps we can take to improve the quality of our health care. And our friend, attorney Rick Jaffe, will return to discuss the question, is integrative medicine under attack on the Internet? And as always, we'll cover the supplement of the week, the burning question, and this week's drug-induced nutrient depletion report. But first, Radia, you have some interesting news for those people who enjoy eating spinach. Well, interesting indeed, Peter. You know, to get the most of your spinach, consider using it in the form of a smoothie or juice. New research published in the journal Food Chemistry suggests that it is uh, the best way to obtain the antioxidant lutein. Dark green vegetables contain high levels of lutein. Spinach was chosen by researchers since it contains comparatively high levels of lutein and is commonly eaten by many people all over the world. Researchers from Linkoping uh, University compared various ways of preparing fresh spinach to investigate maximizing levels of lutein in finished foods that is degraded by heat. The team is studying the roles of the antioxidant lutein, showing it can dampen inflammation in, in immune cells from patients with coronary artery disease, and that it can be stored in the immune cells. Baby spinach was purchased and then used to simulate methods of preparation used in everyday life, such as steaming, frying, or boiling, for up to 90 minutes. The team measured the levels of lutein content at different times. For example, spinach cooked in stew or soup is not heated as high uh, or for as long as, say, in lasagna, which is why different heating times were compared. The team concluded that the best way to maximize lutein from spinach is to not heat it at all. And it's even better to make a smoothie since when it is chopped in small pieces, more lutein is released from the leaves. And when combined with fats, it increases the solubility of lutein in the fluid. Well, wow, that's uh, certainly new information for all of us uh, about spinach. It's good to know. I have a smoothie every morning and I have spinach in my smoothies. Well, there you go. So you're getting your lutein. I'm really glad I just read that. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, Peter, um, you are a weightlifter, a better man than I. Um, and you found a study that's very encouraging for you for you and your fellow gym rats. Yes, I did, Roddy. A St. George University scientist suggests that physical activities, such as lifting weights, are healthier for the heart than going for a run or walk. These scientists analyzed health records to conclude that both forms of exercise reduce risks of developing heart disease. However, static activities have a greater effect than that of an equivalent amount of dynamic exercise. Uh, 
Assumptions of cardiovascular activities such as running being of the greatest benefit to the heart are challenged by the findings of this study, which supports previous studies suggesting heavy static exercise provides a better workout to the circulatory system because the oxygen expenditure is more intense. It's recommended that adults exercise at least 150 minutes a week of moderate intensity physical activity being comprised of a mixture of static and dynamic activity. And strength training and aerobic activity are good for heart health even in small amounts, but static activity appears to be more beneficial than dynamic, and those who do both fare better than those who increase levels of one type of activity. Cardiovascular risk factors such as diabetes, high cholesterol, being overweight, and high blood pressure were analyzed as a function of self-reported static and or dynamic activity in 4,086 American adults who took part in the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey. Adjustments were made for gender, age, ethnicity, and smoking, then stratified by age to 12 to 44 years of age and over 45 years of age. It was revealed that 25% of older adults and 36% of younger engaged in static activity, and 21% of older adults and 28% of younger engaged in dynamic activity. Either activity was found to be associated with 30 to 70% lower rates of cardiovascular disease factors, with the strongest being for static activity in youth. And scientists hope this study will help clinicians to counsel older patients that this is popular among all age groups and they will fit into gym or road activities equally well, while providing the opportunity to show how important it is to ensure that they are engaging in some form of physical activity. So really interesting. It kind of goes against conventional wisdom, doesn't it? Well, I don't know, Peter. Tell me, you little gym rat you are. I'm, I, <laughs> tell me how you would define static versus dynamic. Well, that's basically... Give an example. Well, static activity would be weightlifting. Yeah, just yeah. as opposed to aerobic? As opposed, mm -hmm. as opposed to aerobic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so mm -hmm. like running or... Uh, stair climbing or yeah. uh, bicycling. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Okay. And of course, as you get older, you need that static, uh, you know, weightlifting for bone, especially we ladies. Well, and also to combat sarcopenia, age-related muscle wasting. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, that's one of the the key things that you can do to forestall that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I need it. <laughs> All right. And I'm delighted to introduce our special guest for this show, Dr. Jane M. Orient. Dr. Orient obtained her undergraduate degree in chemistry and mathematics from the University of Arizona in Tucson and her MD from Columbia University College of Physicians and Surgeons in 1974. She completed an intern medicine residency at Parkland Memorial Hospital and University of Arizona affiliated hospitals and then became an instructor at the University of Arizona College of Medicine and a staff physician at the Tucson Vet, uh, Veterans Administration Hospital. She's been in solo private practice since 1981 and is still a clinical lecturer in medicine at the University of Arizona College of Medicine. 
Dr. Orion has served as Executive Director of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, the AAPS, since 1989. She is currently President of Doctors for Disaster Preparedness. Since 1988, she has been Chairman of the Public Health Committee of the Pima County, Arizona Medical Society. She is the author of Your Doctor is Not In, Healthy Skepticism About National Healthcare, and the second through fourth editions of Sapira's Art and Science of Bedside Diagnosis, published by Lippincott, Williams, and Wilkins. More than 100 of her papers have been published in the scientific and popular literature on a variety of subjects, including risk assessment, natural and technological hazards and non-hazards, and medical economics and ethics. She is the editor of the AAPS News, the Doctors for Disaster Pre Preparedness Newsletter, and Civil Defense Perspectives, and is the managing editor of the Journal of American Physicians and Surgeons. Dr. Orient, welcome to the Wellness Connection. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yes. Um, so I'm really excited to talk to you uh, today. Dr. Orient, I just have a question. What are common pitfalls in reviewing claims about treatment? There are so many. Um, for one thing, there is a lot of conflict of interest involved, even in the papers in the most prestigious uh, medical journals. It's been found that there's outright fraud, plagiarism, there, or there's just lack of disclosure of a very lucrative arrangements with with pharmaceutical manufacturers or device manufacturers so that it's really hard to be sure that you're getting an objective view of things. I mean, in some of these articles, the conflicts are so numerous, they can't even fit them in tiny print in the, in the journal. You have to go on. Wow. Well, you know, Dr. Orient, which brings up a good point, uh, one of the people who obviously feels very strongly uh, the same way you do is uh, Dr. Richard Horton, who is the editor of the uh, Lancet, uh, the British Medical Journal. And he's actually gone so far as to say that uh, science as we know it is in dire jeopardy, and I'm paraphrasing his, his quote here, because of exactly the same things that you're talking about. Uh, would you like to, to expand on that a little bit for us and our listeners? Science is absolutely dependent on scrupulous honesty by all scientists. Their only objective should be in finding what is true, and they have to go where the evidence leads them. Not, it doesn't matter how beautiful their theory is. One study that contradicts it can destroy the whole theory. But if they were to publish that, then they could lose their job and all their grant funding. Grant funding for, is very dependent on the U.S. government now, and the U.S. government is deeply politicized. And it only funds things that uh, that people are inclined inclined to like, or that maybe that doesn't interfere or offer serious competition to things from which they're earning a lot of money. So, I mean, if honesty is compromised, you really don't have science. Wow. Well, tell us, you know, there's some good, old, very good treatments that are neglected that really have potential value and they've just been sort of shoved aside. Can you uh, talk a little bit more about that? There are a number of them. Um, maybe the most common one that is still used in some alternative practice is 
intravenous vitamin C, high-dose intravenous vitamin C. The original work on this uh, in this country was done back at the time of the polio epidemics by Frederick Klenner, who was a family doctor, I think, in North Carolina. And he claimed to have treated a large number of polio patients, and they didn't get paralyzed. They got well. But interest in this rather declined after the polio vaccine was introduced and after the polio epidemic seemed to have mostly gone away. But it's been tried in many, many other conditions too. And it is, it's just appalling that something so simple and so non-toxic and so inexpensive would not at least be tried in people who are in dire straits from, say, they're dying of influenza. They have uh, such severe respiratory failure that they're having to have this ECMO, this extracorporeal membrane oxygenation and I think it was used in Australia on one patient who was at death's door and he got he started to get better immediately after this but instead of reporting this all over the world and trying it in other patients they try to keep it a secret and it was a fight to even get this patient a maintenance dose of this for a while until he fully recovered yeah you know Dr. William back in the 80s, when I first started in my practice, this was the golden age of AIDS, and um, we were doing uh, high vitamins, specifically vitamin C drips, etc., with these young men that had HIV and AIDS, and I remember distinctly a case of um, my cohort's brother, who had AIDS, was in Brackenridge Hospital, we asked the doctor, you know, if we could do this. She sort of turned and looked the other way, allowed us to do this. He had pneumonia. He walked out of the hospital three times. And she, and she said, I don't know what you're doing. But she was in charge of the infectious uh, ward in Brackenridge Hospital. She said, I don't know what you're doing, but I've never had a patient who had pneumonia uh, three times to the level that, that this gentleman had walk out of this hospital. And I said, do you want to know what we're doing? And she said, no. And I said, why not? And she said, because the administration wouldn't allow me to do it, and it would just frustrate me. Well, I do know of a case recently where a, a friend of mine, mother was dying. Everybody expected her to die. The whole family was there to say goodbye. And she um, she slipped some vitamin C into her mother's IV while her brother guarded the door. And by the next morning, her mother, for the first time, was getting better. Yeah. And so she just let the doctors believe that they had worked some miracle, even though they had no idea what they'd done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I see. And unfortunately, this gentleman, uh, he basically got cytomegalovirus in the eye, and she, the doctor gave him... Um, Gan cyclovir, and he died 48 hours later, um, not of AIDS, um, but he died of the medicine that he was given. And, you know, she gave him the risk, and he was afraid to go blind, so he made that choice, and it was a very unfortunate situation. But uh, during that time and since then, I've been, you know, working with MDs for the last 30 years doing uh, high-nutrient drip. IV. So, yeah, why, why, other than the tale we just talked about, um, why are they suppressed? Why, why are all of these uh, very valuable treatments do you, do you see being suppressed? 
I think there must be financial conflicts of interest there and interlocking relationships between the FDA and other regulatory agencies and medical boards and and pharmaceutical companies and academics. I think sometimes it's just people have inertia and they don't want to believe that they could be wrong and they've been overlooking something this simple and important. But for regular doctors out in the field, I think it's terror. They are so afraid of the medical boards or the hospital peer review committee. And even if, even if what they do is successful, and you can never be sure that it's going to be successful, they could, they could lose their entire career because of a sham peer review or because of a complaint before the medical board. They're causing potential harm. They're being unprofessional. They're not following the standard of care and on and on and on. And doctors just uh, the, the, are not willing to take this risk. I mean, it only takes one or two doctors whose careers are ruined for the rest of them to uh, decide to be very, very careful not to offend anybody. You know, Doc, we're, we're uh, seeing a real, uh, shall we so, say, a crack in the dike in this whole scenario with the advent of CBD oil. And I can't count the number of times that I've had customers come into the pharmacy where I'm employed and say, you know, my doctor sent me here because he thinks I ought to do uh, or try CBD oil. Can you help me? Now, some of the missing pieces there are that they never talk about a dose and they never tell them really explicitly what the benefits are. And I think that really ties into exactly what you're talking about. The doctors are so afraid to, to venture outside of the standard of care for the very reason that they could lose their career. Well, they could. And I, I have heard that CBD oil is very beneficial, but you're not going to learn anything about it really from the medical literature. You will find a number of papers that will, that will denigrate things like vitamin D and they do have some studies and maybe they use the wrong dose or maybe they just didn't follow the patients long enough for whatever reason. All of the studies that end up in the mainstream medical literature appear to be negative. And then there's hyperbaric oxygenation, which offers so much hope, especially for veterans with traumatic brain injury and resultant post-traumatic stress disorder. The VA not only will not use the treatment, but they speak very negatively of people who do and really discourage veterans from even trying it, even though I've seen some really pretty miraculous results. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what that treatment is and why you see it as being so beneficial? Because I'm not sure a lot of our listeners are aware of that particular protocol. Well, it's been around for more than a century. It's, it, it's been, it is used for divers who have, uh, who have the bends, decompression sickness. Um, but it's been, it turns out that it is really beneficial in patients with a number of neurological conditions or autoimmune conditions or other things. I mean, any kind of wound that you have has to have oxygen to heal. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And if you don't have good circulation, then mm-hmm. you're not going to get oxygen and it's not going to heal. But with hyperbaric oxygenation, you're in a chamber that goes up to, oh, maybe one and a half atmospheres of pressure for the bends. They use higher pressure. And then you breathe pure oxygen. And, well, your hemoglobin is already pretty saturated, but this drives oxygen into solution in the plasma, and that's, that diffuses into the tissues. That's really the source of tissue oxygenation anywhere, and it can even diffuse into tissues that have rather poor circulation. But it, this probably also has a lot of effects on stem cells and on gene regulation and other things, but just bringing oxygen to the site of the wound is mm. healing. Uh, so, you know, you, you use it for diabetic foot ulcers or other types of non-healing wounds, and, and maybe things like strokes and, and the bends are, are neurological injuries, the same thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. these soldiers who have been exposed to these, these uh, IEDs, blast injury, um, that really is the equivalent of a, a, a compression, decompression injury that just happens really rapidly instead of slowly as it does in scuba divers who surface too fast. And in mm-hmm. fact, if you subject a sheep to a blast, you can take pictures of bubbles going through the arteries in his retina. Wow. So, so it really makes sense. that you, know, you might use the same treatment. And, and experience has shown this, although there's a lot of denial about the benefits of this. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll be right back with our interview with Dr. Jane Orient after this message from our sponsor, You're listening to The Wellness Connection on Voice America Digital Radio Network. Balance and good health, two essential building blocks for a full and rich life. But sometimes in our complex and stressful world, both can be lost and you need to find a natural way to get them back. Enter CBD oil, a natural approach to restoring harmony to your body and your life. But not just any CBD oil. For natural results, you want to be sure the CBD oil you use is produced the right way. Wave Organics offers pure CBD oil from hemp raised naturally on farms in Colorado. The oil is extracted using supercritical CO2, which is free of toxic solvents. In fact, Wave controls every step in the process, offering quality control and natural approaches from seed to shelf. Visit WAAYB.com to learn more and use the code WellnessConnection for a 10% discount on your first order. Wave Organics, pure natural CBD. Rania, tell our listeners, what exactly is hemp oil? Well, let's start with a little history, Peter. In 1992, a report by Devane et al. uh, discovered the existence of a specific receptor in mammalian cells known as the endocannabinoid system which is closely interconnected with the nervous and immune system. Since CBD has been shown to boost just about every function of our cannabinoid receptors, it's proven to have an extensive soothing and relaxing effect. The research is also showing CBD is far more valuable than just for relaxation. That's right. And uh, many of our customers uh, say that it may help you reduce anxiety and improve sleep. It also helps reduce nausea. And it reduces some types of seizures. Especially reduced pain and inflammation. And it eases dermatitis and other allergic reactions. And studies show that it reduces incidences of diabetes. And yes, and you can find more information about Waves products at www.waayb.com. That's www.waayb.com. 
You're listening to The Wellness Connection. If you have a question or comment for Peter Aradia, please send it via email to thewellnessconnectionahi at gmail.com. That's thewellnessconnectionahi at gmail.com. Now, let's return to this week's show. And welcome back to The Wellness Connection and our continuing interview with Dr. Jane Orient. Dr. Orient, what are some underreported dangers of drugs, and why don't we hear more about them? Well, a lot of the negative studies about drugs are just not ever published. There is a positive publication bias. And then there are other studies that maybe are just deliberately put in the drawer if they're not turning out like the uh, drug company wants. I mean, for, there is a huge, huge hurdle for anybody to get over to get FDA approval for any drug, maybe more than a billion dollars these days. So it, it just does not make economic sense to jump through these hoops if you don't look at the possibility of having a blockbuster drug. And if you've got this much money at risk, then then the uh, temptation to uh, kind of slant the results is pretty overwhelming. And plus, there may be a lot of connections between editors of journals and the pharmaceutical companies who are who are um, doing the research. I think maybe the most frightening one that comes to mind is with psychotherapeutic drugs like the SSRIs, mm-hmm. these um, for depression. And I think there are black box suicide warnings on these drugs. And I think a lot, one, one of the reasons why our veterans are killing themselves at the rate of 22 people or more per day could be that the drugs that the VA is prescribing for them do have these black box suicide warnings. And certainly yeah, veterans doc, have told me. I'm so glad to hear you say that. That's something that, you know, I've, I've been pounding the table about for many years. And I think as a former airline pilot, of course, I stay up on what goes on in the industry, even though I'm not uh, actively flying anymore. And I just looked at the horrific consequences of one pilot on the German wings accident that flew 150 people into the side of the Alps. And it was subsequently disclosed that he was on SSRI medication. What more evidence do you need? My goodness. Well, it was a, I'm sure they will say it was a coincidence, but you know, there are hundreds of reports of people who engaged in homicidal behavior who had never displayed those tendencies before. Or just one woman I know who was, oh, never inclined to this sort of thing, said she took an SSRI prescribed for migraine. She threw her computer keyboard through the window, which was totally out of, totally out of, uh, out of her, her character for her. And, and there may, many of these, these mass homicides may even be, contributed to by what's supposed to be treatment, but you never hear results of drug testing on the perpetrators of this. And there have even been some people who are spending their lives in jail for for committing an event like this while they were on drugs that that may actually have been precipitated by the drug. Yeah, exactly. I think, wasn't it uh, Peter, Dr. Julian Whitaker that did a whole research study on the uh, the mass shootings, the school shootings all the way back from Columbine. And he did, he did some pretty investigative uh, reporting on, uh, I believe, like 100% of those cases, uh, those young people were on 
an SSRI. Uh, yes, absolutely. But Doc, let's switch gears a little bit. You know, we talked on a previous show about right to try legislation. In your opinion, what kind of right to try legislation do we need? I think we need the right to try a treatment that the patient believes to be beneficial and that is not known to be really harmful. Why, do, why does a person have to be at death's door and wanting to try a drug that is in, in clinical trials? It's just there's not enough space in clinical trials. Plus, some people really don't want to take the risk of getting a non-active treatment. I mean, why, why does it have to be a chemotherapy drug or something like that? Why can't it be oxygen? Why can't it be CBD oil? Why can't it be vitamin C? Why, why should it not be up to the patient to decide what risks he wants to take and what benefits are important to him? Right. I, I really, I do think that it is for, you know, for a sovereign human being. They have the right, the right to decide how they are going to treat their body and their disease. That's, you know, that's just my opinion. Well, but you know, it's really a, an underlying principle of health freedom of choice, the right to bodily integrity. And when you look at the interpretive law that surrounds the 10th Amendment to the Constitution, that's what that's all about. Those are, that's one of those innate rights that we, the people, have that the government doesn't confer upon us. That, that's basically conferred by our, our maker. And uh, who are the government or anybody else, for that matter, to uh, deter us from exercising that right? Well, that's a good question. I guess it depends on whether you think your rights come from our creator or whether they're invented by government and that whoever is making the decision, whether by majority vote or just because he got appointed um, and now is involved in deep in this in the bureaucracy um, and that you are granted that right by these so-called experts, uh, yeah, it makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. It really does. So, Doc, how can how can a one of our one of our listeners improve their chances of finding a doctor like yourself who is open minded about so many of these things? I don't I don't have a quick cut and dried answer to that. Uh, on our website aapsonline.org, we do have a patients tab that has a, a guide to. Um, to cash-friendly doctors. Uh, doctors can list themselves, and you know we, we don't do any investigation of this. Doctors list themselves as just being open to seeing patients who are paying cash. And I think that's a key to that, because if your insurance company is paying for it, then they will decide what you can have and what you can't have. Mm-hmm. And a lot of doctors are very afraid um, to lose their place on an insurance panel, so they're going to be they're going to be driven by that. I think you you need to find a doctor when you're not really sick. Um, go to see him for for something or other, so that you you can interview each other and find out whether the re- relationship is going is going to work out. I think that DOs are often more open minded than MDs. That family doctors are much more open minded than pediatricians. Um, Older doctors are probably more open-minded, believe it or not, than younger doctors who have just been indoctrinated in the medical school. Um, 
but but there's a lot of individual variation. So I really think that you need to find you need to interview the doctor and mm-hmm. find out whether you can trust him. Well, you know, with the the cash um, recipient doctors, the problem is, you know, they're in as Shakespeare says, they're in lies the rub. Is most people, you know, they rely on insurance paying for their quote unquote disease management rather than healthcare, and it's it's kind of you know for those doctors, um, I work with many of them. Um, they're expensive. You know, unfortunately, there's only a certain class, economic class of people that can afford to go to these uh, um, these kinds of doctors that are doing uh, uh, integrative medicine. Well, I think that that is, uh, to some extent, a misconception. First of all, you need to realize that insurance is extremely expensive. It's costing many people more than their mortgage, and it really has very limited networks. It has a very high deductible, and it turns out that it, it probably at least doubles the cost of the service. And mm-hmm. if you would find out that if you ask what's the cash price of this, you know, might be able to get an MRI for 250 or 350 dollars instead of a couple thousand that the hospital is going to charge you. Um, many of these direct primary care practices are only 50 dollars a month. Um, and they may provide a lot of the medications that you need at a, at a at wholesale price, plus a lot of the laboratory and even minor surgical procedures that you need. Mm-hmm. So it is, it's worth looking into the price. I think the insurance companies have done one ter- terrific sales job in pers- convincing people that things cost 10 times more than they really should. Right. Mm-hmm. There it's you protection go. money. Insurance yeah. premiums are really part of the protection <laughs> money. Yeah. I love that. So, Doc, we've got about a minute and a half left. Uh, I want to ask, first of all, how can a patient get the most from a healthcare consultation? Well, I think that he needs to um, get his history down into a concise form, a nice little timeline, not go in there with a whole laundry list of complaints, going with his questions prioritized. And, and try to give, you know, a coherent story of what happened and what's important. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. That, that's, that's great advice. And before you go, uh, would you please tell our listeners how they can follow you and your activities? And if they uh, would like to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Well, the um, Association of American Physicians and Surgeons website is aapsonline.org. You can sign up for our free action alerts. All of our newsletters and journal are available free. If you want to write to me, the address is jane at aapsonline.org. All right. Well, it's been such a pleasure uh, speaking to you, and I wish we had a whole much more time because I've got many of things to pick your brains about. But we this is all the time we have now. I want to thank you, Dr. Jane Orient, for joining us on the Wellness Connection. Yeah, I'm sorry we ran out of time. We could talk about a lot more things. Absolutely. Well, we hopefully will have you back in the near future, um, and we will continue this conversation. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. You're listening to The Wellness Connection on Voice America Digital Radio Network.
All of us go through menopause or andropause at some point in our life. The changes in our body make us feel depressed, less confident, and lethargic. Research shows that levels of testosterone drop 50% between the ages of 20 and 40 for females and almost 1% every year for males over the age of 40. Alpha Male X and Alpha Female contain a powerful blend of nine synergistic ingredients designed to help support healthy hormone metabolism in men and women. Additionally, the select ingredients in this formula have been proven clinically effective in supporting sexual health and energy, promoting healthy cortisol levels, and providing dopamine support. When it comes to hormones, one supplement does not fit all. So be sure and visit alphatherapeutics.us and fill out the questionnaire to get the dosing instructions that are right for you. Use the code wellnessconnection for a 15% discount on your first order. Let's connect because together we make our lives better. Well, Radia, Alpha Male X and Alpha Female are powerful blends of nine synergistic ingredients designed to help support healthy hormone metabolism in men and women. Additionally, the select ingredients in this formula have been proven clinically effective in supporting sexual health and energy, promoting healthy cortisol levels, and providing dopamine support. One of the important things or aspects of this particular product, Peter, is the ingredients clinically proven on humans and not animals. And it's also manufactured in facilities certified by NSF. It has no magnesium stearates, dioxides, or other additives. And it's safe from heavy metals, allergens, and pesticides. So be sure to go to alphatherapeutics.com and take the questionnaire to be sure which dosage is right for you. And don't, for you, don't forget to use the code the Wellness Connection for 15% off on your first bottle. You're listening to The Wellness Connection. If you have a question or comment for Peter Aradia, please send it via email to the Wellness Connection AHI at gmail.com. That's the Wellness Connection AHI at gmail.com. Now, let's return to this week's show. And now it's time for our supplement of the week. And, Radia, what would that be? Well, you know, Peter, too much of a good thing can be bad. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> when you have allergies, some of your triggers, such as pollen, pet dander, or dust, send a chemical message to the white blood cells known as basophil, uh, basophils and mast cells that contain granules filled with histamine. Mast cells, which are thought to exert critical pro-inflammatory functions, are found in nearby connective tissues, mostly in the skin, lung, nose, mouth, gut, and blood. The messages release histamine. When they leave the mast cells, histamine then docks at special places called receptors in your body. The result, you get, you know, <laughs> your nose uh, is affected by, say, inhaling mold or pollen, uh, histamine's prompt thin walls called membranes to make more mucus. This mucus acts as a protective barrier and carrier to push the allergens out. So you get a runny nose and a stuffy nose, uh, and then voila, you sneeze. The mucus can also bother your throat and bronchial tract and make you cough. 
So histamines can make your eyes and nose itch and water and whatever it takes to get the job done. Yeah, histamine increases the permeability of the capillaries to white blood cells and some proteins to allow them to communicate messages to your brain, trigger release of stomach acid to help digestion, release after injury or allergic reaction as part of your immune response, starts the process that moves allergens out of your body or off your skin, it boosts blood flow in the area of the body the allergen has affected, and causes inflammation, which lets other chemicals from your immune system step in to do repair work. So someone said to me, well, it sounds like histamine's my friend, so why is it giving me so much trouble? Well, when histamine le uh, levels get too high, or when they can't break down properly, it can affect your normal bodily function. You naturally produce histamine along with the enzyme diamine oxidase, DAO, which is responsible for breaking down histamine. Individuals with a DAO gene mutation may have a tendency towards high histamine. If you develop a DAO deficiency and are unable to break down histamine, you could develop an intolerance. Histamine intolerance is not a sensitivity to histamine, but an indication that you've developed too much of it. Some reasons your DAO enzyme levels that could be affected are medications that block DAO functions or prevent production, gastrointestinal disorders such as leaky gut syndrome and inflammatory bowel disease, Histamine-rich foods such as fermented foods like sauerkraut, sausage, cheese, yogurt, and alcoholic beverages, tuna, olives, spinach, eggplant, avocados, tomatoes, cherries, and citrus fruits all cause DAO enzymes to function improperly. Even bacterial overgrowth due to undigested food can be a cause. You know, but an impaired histamine degradation may result in histamine excess, which may cause numerous symptoms, mimicking an allergic reaction such as headaches, skin irritation, hives, flushing or redness of the face and skin, dizziness, accelerated heart rate. Now, I, I want to make a note here, and a good way to see if you're having a histamine reaction to a food is to take your pulse before you ingest that particular food, then take your pulse 15 to 20 minutes after and see if it's increased. Uh, difficulty regulating body temperature, nervousness, nausea and abdominal cramps, uh, nasal congestion, sneezing and difficulty breathing. So there's a supplement called GI HIST by Neurobiologics, which may help assist with these types of issues. Yes, GI HIST contains porcine kidney, and the research suggests that DAO derived from porcine kidney appears to have identical act, act, action excuse me, to DAO derived from porcine intestine, which is almost identical to our own. GI hist also includes other antihistamine, anti-inflammatory properties such as stinging nettles, bromelain, and NAC. So if you think you have a histamine problems, first be sure to Google the histamine diet and avoid histamine-forming foods like Peter mentioned earlier. And if you want to get some GI hist, you can contact me either by emailing me at thewellnessconnectionahi at gmail.com that's the wellness connection, ahi at gmail.com, 
or call me at Lake Hills Pharmacy in Austin, Texas. Uh, the number is 512-608-9355. That's 512-608-9355. And I'll have them send you some GI hist. And now it's time for the burning question where we answer those important health questions that you, the listeners, send in to us. It's important to note that any diagnosis of disease can only be provided by your medical doctor or other licensed healthcare professional. None of the information we present is intended for the diagnosis or treatment of disease. Jamie in Tulsa asks, what is naturopathic medicine and why does it differ from regular medicine? So, Peter, you're the traditional naturopath. I'm going to let you take the lead on this answer. Happy to do it. The human body has an incredible ability to heal itself. In fact, it is always striving to remain in balance, but sometimes barriers get in the way. These might be environmental factors, stress, lifestyle limitations such as lack of sleep or poor diet, or emotional suffering. They all make us vulnerable to diseases. Naturopathic medicine harnesses your body's innate power to restore and maintain health. By removing these barriers to wellness and stimulating the natural healing process, a naturopath can help patients recover from acute illness, achieve long-term healing from chronic disease, and make lifestyle changes that support overall wellness. Naturopaths use a variety of techniques, many of which are rooted in ancient healing traditions. Depending upon your unique needs, these may include botanical medicine, physical medicine, nutritional medicine, homeopathy, mind-body therapies, and many more. A natural and conventional medicine both have an important role to play in treating diseases, but they have fundamentally different approaches to healing. Conventional medicines focus on treating the symptoms of disease, often using pharmaceutical drugs to help patients find relief from illness. When symptoms become severe, medical doctors have potent interventions at their fingertips. But naturopaths, or in my case, as clinical nutritionists, on the other hand, find the cause of underlying illnesses to find out what's preventing your body from healing. We recognize symptoms as signals that your body's trying to repair itself. So we use therapies designed to help that process along rather than suppressing it with medication. I think natural medicine should be primary medicine before the disease takes hold, and conventional medicine should be secondary medicine. Couldn't agree more. For mm -hmm. centuries, people all over the world recovered from injury and illness using exclusively natural methods. Herbal formulas, manual techniques, exercise, and diet prescriptions were passed down from generation to generation not because they'd been proven in a laboratory setting, but because time and again, they were effective. You can submit your own burning question by going to the Wellness Connection, A-H-I at gmail.com. That's the Wellness Connection, A-H-I at gmail.com and submit your own burning question and tune in every week to hear if your question is being answered on the air. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. You're listening to The Wellness Connection on Voice America Digital Radio Network. Balance and good health 
Two essential building blocks for a full and rich life, but sometimes in our complex and stressful world, both can be lost, and you need to find a natural way to get them back. Enter CBD oil, a natural approach to restoring harmony to your body and your life. But not just any CBD oil. For natural results, you want to be sure the CBD oil you use is produced the right way. Wave Organics offers pure CBD oil from hemp raised naturally on farms in Colorado. The oil is extracted using supercritical CO2, which is free of toxic solvents. In fact, Wave controls every step in the process, offering quality control and natural approaches from seed to shelf. Visit waayb.com to learn more and use the code wellnessconnection for a 10% discount on your first order. Wave Organics, pure natural CBD. You're listening to The Wellness Connection. If you have a question or comment for Peter Aradia, please send it via email to the Wellness Connection AHI at gmail.com. That's the Wellness Connection AHI at gmail.com. Now, let's return to this week's show. Well, Roddy, it's now time for our drug induced nutrient depletion section. And what is our drug this week? Well, Peter. Today, I want to take this from a little bit different angle. I want to talk about other problems that we need to consider when using certain drugs, such as stimulants like Ritalin or Adderall uh, that frequently are prescribed for attention deficit disorder. Uh, These can reduce appetite, and this in turn decreases the intake of beneficial nutrients. Some antidepressants also tend to have this appetite-reducing effect. Yeah, and on the flip side, some drugs can deplete nutritional status by increasing the desire for unhealthy foods, such as refined carbohydrates. Many of the neuroleptics or antipsychotic drugs and some antidepressants cause insulin resistance or metabolic syndrome with results in blood sugar swings. And then patients have, uh, you know, crave simple carbohydrates such as sugar, bread, and pasta. Uh, Steroid drugs, including uh, those given by an inhaler, can create similar issues as well. So keep this in mind when you're taking these drugs, and I recommend taking a good multivitamin and mineral supplement. And be sure to consult with a qualified pharmacist or wellness consultant when you take these drugs. And now it's time for our health freedom segment. And joining us again today is a very special guest and longtime friend and fellow health freedom advocate, attorney Rick Jaffe. Rick is a healthcare litigator, counselor, and crisis manager focusing on cutting edge medical legal issues. He represents practitioners, clinics, companies, and health-related organizations in complex healthcare regulatory matters throughout the United States, especially legal cases and investigation brought by federal and state government agencies. He has extensive experience in FDA matters, including clinical trials and new drug issues, Medicare and insurance fraud, professional licensure and criminal and civil scheduled drug prescribing problems, and bioidentical hormones. He has extensive experience in the stem cell field, both in the criminal and civil sides, and also works on matters involving dietary supplements. Rick, welcome to the Wellness Connection. Well, hello, Rick. Hey, you know, recently I I read a a blog post uh, speculating on whether, that you wrote, that was speculating on whether integrative medicine was under attack by the monopoly internet 
mega companies. Uh, what caused you to address that topic in your blog? Well, I guess in the last couple of months, I've been just hearing these disparate, different little pieces of information. You know, on the one hand, I've heard that um, some of the homeopathic companies uh, are having problems with Amazon, right? And that could be because Amazon is now starting to take the position that some of these remedies are not uh, scientifically supported. Could be because uh, uh, the, uh, December 17, the FDA came out with some new draft guidance documents, which seem to suggest that they are going to take a harder look at uh, homeopathic remedies where heretofore they've been kind of given a pass. So, you know, they're, they're just draft guidance documents, and I thought it was unusual that Amazon is taking the position that homeopathic remedies that have been around for a long time and are sold, widely sold, they're, they're, they're complaining about the claims that have been made. So that's one thing. And then I've heard from some clinics that I and some of my colleagues represent that their, their searches are down. These, you know, their Google searches are down dramatically. And that's having a rather substantial impact on on the people that call up, and that translates in the people that come to the clinic. So I was wondering if there's some something what's going on, if there's some kind of connection, and how widespread the problem is. Hmm. So you know, what do you expect to happen next with this issue? Well, right now, I mean, I put this stuff out there on my post blog. Because I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get the information out there, and I want to. I guess someone's got to do it. I mean, I've just. I think what we need to do is try to identify how great the problem is, and I just have to believe amongst all of the affected people, all of the clinics, and all of the patients, I have to believe that one of these places has a patient, a friend, a colleague, a spouse, a relative who might have some information and maybe even a smoking gun so we can get a better uh, sense of, of whether it is coordinated, who's behind it. And then, then with that information, there may be uh, a lot we could do, you know, but right now we're still in the process of identifying uh, how the, the scope of the problem and trying to find out who's behind it. But until we do that, there's really nothing the community as a community can do, individuals, individual affected uh, uh, clinics for, have to do what they have to do for search engine optimization. But I think, so step number one is let's get the issue out there and see what we can find out. And that's really all I can suggest at this point. So let me ask you in the case that Peter was bringing up earlier of a couple of um, very long-standing natural health uh, websites where uh, Pinterest uh, took them, basically took them down um, and, you know, they sent them a letter uh, suggesting that they were dangerous or whatever. What can a, a group like that do? I mean, isn't that a, a First Amendment issue? Well, um I don't know. I mean, you, I mean, if they're saying I, th there is there is a remedy, and the answer is these companies have internal policies and they have review policies. I don't know, Pinterest, you know, what their policy is specifically, but there is a process. There is a uh, like a quasi-administrative process, an internal process 
whereby you can complain or appeal and challenge it. So there is that kind of process. And so any particular company that's uh, adversely affected by something like that can go, go through what, whatever the process is. And the first thing that they have to do is find out what the process is. You know, not normally they'll have their terms and conditions and then there'll be, there's usually some kind of right to challenge the decision. So that's the first thing they have to do and then work through it and maybe present a case of why, you know, I mean, about what the specific alleged misinformation is and then uh, provide a rebuttal. So Mm -hmm. in individual cases like that, that's, that's really the only thing they can do. I mean, I know, you know, lawyers do that. I know a friend of mine is a lawyer. He's written a letter like that. There, there are people because of the internet so big and I'm, I think there are lawyers that specialize in writing letters or for companies to get uh, this kind of thing. So, you know, I think, I think there is kind of some remedy, but um, I, I, I'm more interested in what's behind it and, you know, seeing what can be done against the actors who are, who are, who are be, be behind this, uh, this concerted action, if in fact that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. And I, I think we're, we're both, Roddy and I are both in agreement of this. Well, Rick, we're, we're out of time, but uh, we do thank you for joining us today. And uh, we hope you'll be with us again soon on the Wellness Connection. Thank you, Rick. Oh, Jeff. great. My pleasure. And uh, good luck to you guys. Thank Thank you, you, Rick. All right. And be sure to tune in next week. And of course, be sure to submit your burning question to the wellness connection, AHI at gmail.com. The next one we answer may be yours. I'm your co-host, Roddy Iglesias. And I'm your co-host, Peter McCarthy. So long for now from the wellness connection brought to you by Wave and Alpha Therapeutics. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to The Wellness Connection with Roddy Iglesias and Peter McCarthy. Be sure to join us for another episode next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again next week.